I will respond to you. All right, test, test, testing the audio. Can anyone hear me? Yes, sounding good. Rock on. Nick, Neil, Sierra. How are you guys doing? It's coming. I'm doing well. We are sending out messages for everyone to jump on that we're live right now. I am also doing well. My computer is just having a hard time with the video, so I might have to leave and jump back on. I'm so sorry. No worries. I've seen it all on Zoom <laughs> in the past year, so. Hopefully the technical troubleshooting is at a minimum tonight. All right, we got Krista, Kiana, am I pronouncing names correctly? Yes, that's yes. right. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for asking, that's so kind. Well, I don't want to assume. There's a lot of unique spellings and a lot of unique ways of pronouncing these days, so. <laughs> it's true. Someone who has to talk to a lot of clients in a given day, you know, it's, um, I try to do my homework. I don't know if you've ever like heard it, you, you discovered a unique name and then you like YouTube or Google the pronunciation, like you did your own research on it. And you just heard it a couple of times and just like, okay, I don't want to be crazy. So when I go in for that first initial welcome, I'm not looking like a crazy person, but welcome. Who else do we got? I got Neil and Jason together. That's let me pull up the roster. I think we should have somewhere between 10 and 12 people. Nick, are you aware of anyone who won't be able to join? Uh, no, I think every one of my guys should be here as well. Okay. Okay, good. Um, I believe everyone on this call, this is the first time doing this, correct? Or maybe some of you have... Um, I don't know if there was an introductory call that you had with someone else. Um, I don't get that vibe. So we'll go for about an hour tonight and welcome for those who are just joining in, uh, make yourself at home. Uh, I will post within 24 hours usually um, for those who can't make it just so that you're aware, I will try and post the replays of these conversations up on Rizuku. Uh, you get, I'll put the gallery version and also the audio file by itself so that anyone can access it after the fact. So 
all that being said, you know, as someone who is a course coordinator for the essentials, I'm not too stickler about attendance. Um, I trust you guys. If you're going to miss um, a session because it happens that you're going to watch the replay and there will be, I'll talk to dad and see how we can maybe have a catch all for, you know, missed sessions. Um, again, not to, that feels too academic, but um, we just want to make sure that you've had a chance to really soak in all six modules before there's any credentialing, before there's any recognition of completion of this. So, um, Nick, Sydney, Journey. All right. Am I pronouncing names correctly? Joshua. Okay. I think with, okay, so we're at 535. We're going to go to 630 and we'll leave some time, 15 minutes to 645, some overflow time for questions, prayer requests, things like that. Um, but if you're ready to dive in, I'm just going to say a quick word of covering for us and we'll just jump in. So Lord, we thank you for this amazing day. We thank you that you are Lord of our lives, that you've created, uh, this course that you are birthing something new in all of our lives. I thank you for this cohort of circuit riders and the mission they are on individually as believers, but also um, how you've commissioned them, how you're wiring them, even this moment, um, all the endeavors. We just pray that you will guard us in peace tonight, that you'll cover us with your insight. I pray that whatever is illuminated comes straight from your spirit and that it's not us trying to figure things out for ourselves, but we just rely, we commit our understanding into your hands. We rely on you collectively as one tonight. Uh, thank you that you go before us, anoint this conversation. Again, birth something new, light something new, convict us with grace, even as discussing this module and just lead us, God. We're not on any agenda. If there's any agenda, even um, on my end, just wanting us to be able to maximize this time, Lord, just still that place so that everything that happens is 110% you. Um, so we thank you again, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So since this is the first time for a lot of you, um, from what, what I found helpful in these situations is to round rob and go around the horn and talk about things from this module that stuck out to you and we'll just see where the conversation goes. Ultimately, say around 6.15-ish, I, I would like to start navigating the conversation to how does all of this impact your view of leadership, um, your ideas of leadership. Um, but again, we'll just see where this goes. So um, does anyone want to sound off and kind of we'll just jump right in here? I can go first. I'm a. Uh, I'm driving right now, but um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll just do the voice. But I was just blown away by all the material and just how it was talking about how God is a community, and since we're made for God, we're made for community, and how being independent is the complete opposite of being like God. 
and I was just wrecked by the revel like there's so much revelation just through this whole course of even the question of like why did God allow Adam to be alone um was because he could value intimacy when he actually had someone and like you know he wanted to go deep with God first but then like he experienced loneliness because of that he could really like be so grateful and experience intimacy in its fullness and so I'm getting hit with that revelation because um, I'm about to get married and then being in a relationship now, it's like after going through that season of singleness and going through the season of feeling lonely, I have so much more gratitude for like stepping into like intimacy. And so it's just awesome how like even God made Adam to be one and that he focused on one from the very beginning and then multiply that. So that's what struck me. That's an awesome place to start. And, and that was convicting for me too. Um, growing up, you kind of get this picture in your head that God reacted <laughs> to Adam's loneliness, that he saw Adam lonely and, and he saw it wasn't good, but it was part of a plan from the beginning. And it, it does blow my mind, like how uh, God so valued the concept of one, even though from the beginning, it was him, the son, the spirit coexisting, having that intimacy um, so that dynamic still being able to come together and be like, Adam needs to see how much he can't do it by himself, appreciating that intimacy and that dependence and how he wasn't made to strive everything, um, on his own and congrats on the, um, uh, the upcoming marriage. I I'll tell you this, I am happy for gents like you who, um, can capture this ahead of the big day of establishing, you know, the culmination of covenant. Uh, because I'll tell you, um, when I was younger, I'm in my mid thirties. Now, when I was in my twenties, it was a struggle to be content in my singleness. Um, and there were probably only a couple of years where I really found that sweet spot as dad likes to say, the center of the uh, cinnamon roll. Um, so I really believe that God, the army that God is calling, there's going to be a lot of unique markers, um, identifiers of that emerging generation. And one of them is they're going to come out of the gates, just not feeling the burden to try and find intimacy on their own, but that they're going to be refreshed in it because they see how they're a son of Adam, they're a son of God. They can appreciate the concept of one, but that we're ultimately, we were made for relationship too. So anyone else want to piggyback off that or yeah, anything else stand out? Yep. Um, can you guys hear me? Sometimes these headphones are weird. Okay. Here you go. It's fine. Great. So kind of piggybacking off of that, something that struck me was that like the way this planet was designed to run was that it was designed to run on unselfish love and just thinking about what culture looks like and what our world looks like and how so many of these world systems are completely self-serving and self-seeking to then learn that the way God intended it, the way God created it was to be like interdependent. So kind of what Josh was saying and to be like in that place of intimacy, both with God and with each other, I think has just really shaken my understanding of the world and that was like in one of the first modules. And I was like, wow, like that's why we see so many broken systems around us. Like that's why we see so much unhappiness and unsatisfaction. It's because we're going in like the exact opposite way of God's original design for it. 
So that's something that really stood out to me. Uh, well said and well spoken. Um, this module is foundational. I think you guys probably can gather that. You'll see how instrumental this lecture is, um, especially when we talk about the kingdom and the Holy Spirit, the church and the um, new creation modules. Uh, and one of the objectives, the objectives of this module is to, um, as it's been said, uh, introduce the idea that the God community is the basis for our community and makes the truth of community stand out as a major value. And when we start to focus on God's intimacy, his desire for intimacy with us, that interdependence, it lays the foundation um, for us to mature as leaders and believers who better understand grace, uh, that better yeah, can rely on the ways of God. So um, this is more than just equipping us for apologetics, but it's radically, uh, it, this has radical repercussions on how we deal with co-leaders, people who are on fire for the Lord uh, on mission together. So love that, love that observation. Anyone else want to jump in? I yeah, think, I'll go for it. Oh, go, go ahead, Krista. You're so good. Um, okay. My AirPods are sometimes broken. Is, can everybody hear me? We're good. Okay, great. So one thing for me was so uh, crazy was the, so he, he asked, he posed so many questions at the end of a module to, or at the end of the session of like how to apply, I think in a lot of them, which was like so good for my own life of like, ask God this instead of that. And I was like, oh, that's just like, so like life-changing right there. Like you go through the situation and then you ask God this. And so one of those questions for me was asking God, like how, like, how am I being loved by you right now in this situation of, and like, how am I experiencing your love in a new way? And I'm like, and th that to me was like, oh my gosh. So in everything that we're going through, hardship, fill in the blank is like, oh my goodness, we're always going to be experiencing a new facet and of the love of God in everything, which like, then it's like the mystery and the, like the wonder of God will never end. Like it will never, ever end then. Like in everything that we go to is then clearly glory to glory to glory, because it's just loving and knowing the love of God. So it's like, man, could life get any better? Like anything that comes my way, I just get to know more of the love of God. And it's like, sign me up for that for the rest of my life. That's what I want to do. No, that's, that's so good. It's so awesome. Uh, when life throws us a curveball, when we get to that point of utter confusion and we feel like we're drowning in chaos, it's like, there is always a door, always a question to ask. And um, it's so easy to be egocentric in this day and age, and we are, you know, to just begin this quest, this journey, find answers for ourselves and try to make sense of our surroundings. But like you said, there is, there is a way up, there's a way to look up and there's a time to be still, there's a time to ask those questions. And we find that being in this present, all that matters, you know, just being still and receiving your love by God, identity, affection, and new. So good, good stuff. As I try and find that section, because there's like 13 pages of <laughs> content within this module. So um, anyone else want to share? Yeah, um, I just felt that 
like basically I think I'm trying to figure out which lesson it was but he was talking about how um God didn't create us to for him to just get more glory because I've had that question I was like okay obviously God like takes pleasure in us but I was like okay what is like the sole purpose of him creating us and to hear that it's like it, it went even a further like okay he takes delight in us but like no going even further to say like he created us to give himself to us. Like, I was like, oh my goodness, this is insane. Like to hear that verbalized, it was like, oh my, it just made so much sense um, because that's what love is. And he's like the essence of love. So just to, to be able to see that um, defined in the Bible, it was like really, really beautiful. Love it. Yeah, we, we talk about... Um, you know, God wants us to know the epitome of love, and that's himself. It's not selfishness. It's the other way around. And I think this is a great thing to know when we have conversations with those on the fence who, you know, ask us, well, why do you worship a God who's so absorbed with himself? It's like, because it's actually, he wants us to know the greatest love that exists and that is him and that's the foundation of what we believe and i find that um you know there's also a protection layer i, I think around that same part in the notes you know um why does he command us to give him all the glory to protect us from the deception that we can live independent from him so there's independence again it's that theme of the independence and dependence you can't get away from it here um and even just the next point for me, this is one of my favorite takeaways. Why is God silent sometimes? And again, it's his deep love for us. Sometimes it doesn't give us the answers right away. Um, in my experience, whenever I am in a difficult place, it's like, I want to give God glory. I don't know how, <laughs> and maybe he's being silent. I've learned that, okay, I can almost guarantee he's wanting me to learn a new layer of waiting and yielding. He's gifting me an opportunity to know what it means to pursue, like he pers like to pursue him and the way he pursues me, to dig into his word. Um, he may be silent, but he could still pour into our hearts in unique ways and make us more sensitive to future revelation that is coming. So in the meantime, there's that character sharpening, but God is preparing our hearts to receive something just around the corner. And it also, as a byproduct of that, we cherish his voice when we hear him. Um, so he's learning us, he's grooming us to be ready and prepared for each step. And yes, he's glorified through it all. It's not like we have to do, you know, a stair step, let's do this, this, and this, and he gets the glory. Um, you also find as you bask, um, in the truth of the word as represented in these notes, God is, this is not a performance God, <laughs> you know? Um, and I just appreciate so much of the God I serve each and every time I go through this. Everything God does is because of love, everything. So who else wants to get in? Anyone else who hasn't gone I will yet? jump in. Okay, am I a robot voice or is this clear? Clear. Sick. Amazing. Um, so I just wanna jump into that piece again on what you're saying of interdependence. So it really is the complete opposite of how the world operates. And I think even within church culture and just religion, like we can fall back in into independence and stay in that place of like, 
I've got it. I'm going to build something. I'm going to build my ministry. And for like, I mean, this, this chapter, the session within God's love of interdependence, proving God as love, not his nature and his, like the Trinity itself is proof of love that God, the father always loved the son and that the son always loved the father, that there was no separate there. And even the um, contrast he made with like Allah, like he's one God, there's no object of love. There's no object of affection. And so within it, it's like he's his eternal, Jesus is eternal, like the Trinity being eternal, eternally loving each other is proof of like love for us. And then that's the invitation to interdependence within like us of always being loved by the father and having like a place of echoing out of like love and getting that with like each other. It's such a paradigm shift. It's honestly so convicting. And like, I feel like I'm constantly being convicted on independence. No, you're not alone. And I bravo to you for receiving that understanding. Um, it speaks to your spiritual maturity. So that's, it, you know, it's a constant, it's a glorious struggle, really. Um, and sometimes you kind of feel like what I call spiritual cramp. It's like, oh, I got ahead of God there. <laughs> and he's reeling me back in. It's like, it's okay. I'm teaching you a new layer of interdependence because naturally in your own flesh and your own mind and you know it's super easy to get off on these tangents and rabbit trails um the more i find that i try not to make sense of what's going on in my life the more i can just the more room and space and bandwidth it almost becomes easier to just okay god how are you what are you wanting to say to me today how do you want me to worship you as i work today um, as someone who is a marketplace leader who, you know, puts in 40 to 50 hours and has to find time for ministries like, God, how do you want me to love these very difficult people that you've put in my midst? Sometimes I have some great friends. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's like, I constantly have to yield in order to rely. I have to come to the end of myself and prep myself each day. Um, so all that being said, it is a lockstep process. Um, and the sooner you learn this, uh, the more you'll find that um, God will extend the 10 pegs of your ability to keep doing it in different arenas of life. So. Anyone else want to talk about that theme, that dichotomy? Um, not so much on like the, in this, same vein of just, I never thought what struck me the most was that Adam saw God before he saw himself. And I don't think I've ever thought about the reality that like Adam didn't look in a mirror. He wasn't looking at a reflection in a pond. He didn't have a bunch of comments on an Instagram or a TikTok or like, I don't know if I've ever really thought about that reality that Adam's first thing that he sees, the first uh, glimpse of identity that he has is from God. Um, and so I think for me, like that was just, I don't even want to say revolutionary, but it really was, it was like breaking down any foundation that I had built outside of that, like hear it all the time in church culture of like, get your identity from God, get your identity from God. But it's like, 
that I think for me hearing it this way, like really broke it down of like, no, there is no other option. It's not just a good idea. There's no other option than to get your identity from God. And then from there, like, I think uh, you had mentioned on it too, about like when you go through like something, but it was in another one of the sessions where uh, uh, Steve said, if I assume that I am loved by God, then when obedience is hard, I will first look at where I have not allowed the father to love me rather than condemn myself. And I think the only way to do that is that our first identity really does come from like, like Adam, that first look, our first identity is from God. Uh, that's the only way to really be solidified in the confidence uh, to seek where am I not being loved by the father rather than I'm like this awful like person X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic observation. And uh, it kind of ties into one of my favorite themes of this. And that's just knowing the difference between aim and an overflow. So many times we, we want to use virtue and righteousness to get to the good stuff. Um, and we just have it the other way around. Um, this was one of the big talking points when I was a youth pastor. It's like knowing what is an aim and an overflow. It's like you, you can't obey to get God's love. You already have it. You obey because you have it. Um, and we start untwisting those knots so much just starts to make sense and come into play. And you, you feel that freedom for Christ. You know, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. You begin to feel that peace. Um, and a lot of times we are trying to pursue peace by doing the right thing in our own strength. We feel like we have to get there. And so um, I like how you, you know, tied in those observations from Adam seeing um, just knowing no other but God and developing that habit of referencing him. And you can see how that ties into as you reference, um, you get into that habit. Uh, the more everything you do, even, you know, trusting in him, um, it becomes this effortless response of worship to him. So um, obedience is the overflow of God's love. Yeah, that's definitely groundbreaking material right there. So And let's maybe, um, that, that might be a good question to put out. Um, I'd, certainly, if you guys, anyone has new observations, just, again, there's no agenda here, but knowing your love by God identity, how has that helped you just trust him in general through your own story, through your own journey? Yeah, I think for me, like, kind of going off of that, that was one of the biggest things that, like, I was really blown away by was the lesson three where he kind of goes over all of the like understanding that you're loved by God and from that place is like where everything flows and I think like so often um, like in my mind I'm like okay I have to love God which means I have to do all of these things but really like when he broke down like John 15 of like proposing like um, like really kind of redirecting how to abide in the Lord and like really kind of saying like, it's like remaining in his love. And I think that like, there was a switch in my mind that happened where I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, I'm remaining in God and I don't have to like, I'm not working toward abiding in him. But like, if I'm remaining in the love of God and I'm letting him like love me, then from that place, like, you know, 
everything changes and like your mindsets change, like everything changes by like letting and allowing the Lord and learning how to receive his love. And I think I just was blown away by that. And what you just said, I would say is a key definition to what it means to rest in sovereignty. I had to do a triple take on that phrase when I was first going through this. I'm like, what in the world does that mean? It sounds beautiful, but how do you know, what does that look at the surface? And I think you just nailed down one of the key components of that. You know, it's just, it's knowing that he's designed you for him, that you are loved by him and that it's really Romans eight twenty eight. you know, he's going to work all things for good according to his perfect will abiding in the truth. We're called to his purpose, all things created through and for him. And, you know, you just rest in that. You find that as the epicenter of every action and behavior. I mean, it just, it starts, you start to be transformed inside out. So. I think too, to answer your question about how does like living from a place of like the loved by God identity and how does that move us in trust? I think it's really easy to trust when you deeply believe someone loves you. Like I think about like my own earthly father. And if he told me, you know, to jump into a, like the pool a certain way or to, you know, hold something a certain way, like I know my dad loves me and isn't, doesn't want me to get hurt. And so I would do it because I believe he's not going to put me in harm's way. And so it's really easy when the the basis for my identity is that I am loved by God. I don't have to earn it. I see it. He, you know, when Steve, when he broke down, like John one versus, you know, Genesis, like how John one's actually the start, not Genesis one's the start. Like when it's all this broken down, like when I really truly put in my mind, like the loved by God identity, it's so easy to trust God with whatever comes relationships, ministry, finances, et cetera, because I believe out of the love that he has for me, he's not going to hurt me. He's not going to lead me wrong. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's easy to trust when you believe that you are loved by someone. And meanwhile, fear is fleeting in that moment. You're kind of kicking fear. Um, you're kicking fear. Goodbye. It's like you, the two can't coexist in the same sphere. So um Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, I would like to add on that too. I think what really struck me about um, like that, the overflow of loving people and how he kind of broke down how to love others. Because I think sometimes we have condemnation and like, oh, I have to love this person a certain way, especially being in ministry. And it totally just debunked the swirl of like, oh my gosh, how do I love others? Do I have to do A, B, C. And it actually is the answer of, oh, actually, I just need to take a step back and know that I'm loved by God. And it's, oh, my gosh. And it, when he said it was a joy to even to struggle to love others, I was like, wow, that gave me a lot of permission to be human instead of trying to be a ministry robot of loving people all the time. Um, and it's actually been something that I've been learning and walking through of loving people that are hard to love. Uh, so I really love that. And that, that was the answer. It's like, oh, this is the answer to everything that I'm loved by God. And therefore I do all things through that motive. Preach, <laughs> all of you. <laughs> you can totally preach on what you're saying here. Um, as someone who is more in a marketplace arena, but used to be more in a ministry setting, 
um, I've tasted both sides and uh, learning to rely on him to love those who make it hard for you. you. It just begins to change your mind. It's like, for me, when I get rejected at work from a colleague or a client, um, it used to be in the beginning, why did they do that to me? They don't know who I am, right? Now it's more like, oh man, they don't know their love by God identity. They don't know. Or in this moment, they don't know. And now if there is, if there's a new struggle, it's, I want, God, I want to jump in there and try and fix the, I don't want them to see me because I already know I'm content who I am, but I kind of want them to see so bad. And God's like, no, 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 no. I will give you instruction as needed. Um, Yield to my plan for now. I need you to be still and just, you know, pray for them. I mean, um, I can't tell you how many jams I get out of. Um, and just for context, I probably should have mentioned before we jumped in what I do. Um, in this season, I am working with a bunch of nonprofits and I'm helping them get set up, incorporated, IRS approved, and then I'm helping them with their 99s and charitable solicitations, you know, the compliance phase. But I'm helping them essentially start up. And with COVID, you can imagine just the rise and surge of benevolence. So I'm dealing with a lot of good-hearted people. And sometimes, though, they're stressed. And I'm like, wow, that attitude does not line up with your charitable mission. And I have to just be like, you know, I'm dealing with these people who are, they're, obe they're being obedient. I'm, I'm trusting them that they're being obedient. Um but there could be some bite back in their stress and anxiety. And it's just like, I have to get out of jams myself being like, God, help them know how you've made them, help them know that they're loved by you. Um, and then it's just like stillness and I'm refreshed enough to just, okay, I'm okay that I don't do anything about this right now. Um, it's almost like, okay, I'm pray next. And then if they come back around and maybe they're more settled, it's like maybe that at that point, there's an avenue to go beyond because I love having deep, meaningful conversations. And at work, it could be, you know, you got to know your limits. But so that I just shared some practical example in my everyday life right now. But really, this content is universal. It, it impacts us to the core, no matter what we're doing. And you could see how it's, you know, there's that sharpening that happening now as you're going this as a circuit writer. And then just no matter where God's journey takes you afterwards, it doesn't change. So anyone else want to chime in? Yeah, I just say that um, just kind of just jumping off what everyone else has been saying, just the whole entire, just like, I feel like I've become, like, I think with being a circuit writer and all this stuff, you're just so in like grind mode and you just like want to go, 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 go. And I think it's so easy for me myself to fall into like a, um, just a really big, like works-based uh, relationship just with not only the way that I view myself as successful, but it pours into the way that sometimes I view God, like how he views me. Um, and so I like, I think I felt like I got like almost like saved again. It was like, so it was just like such baby revelation of just like, man, 
God loves me. And I got so stoked. I was like, God loves me. Like it was almost just like that thing of like, man, anytime I have anything where I'm feeling slightly off, I want to like pump the brakes and kind of step back and be like, man, have I really just received the fact that like God loves me? Um, and then also just like, uh, what Steve was saying about, um, how he was saying, like, if you have from like a leadership standpoint, like how you view yourself can, can determine the relationship you have, like with others, like in a workplace or in like a, a leadership setting of like, I know if I'm viewing myself all based on my works, then most, most likely I'm going to project that onto other people and the way that I view them. And I think, I mean, it's just like, it's so simple, such baby things. And I always get wrecked by these things because I think I'm just so simple, but it's just like, man, if I don't have God's love, I cannot do anything. I literally can't do anything. And so it's just like, it was such a fresh reminder and I feel like I can take over the world. Like it's crazy. I don't know. couple things um, off that. First of all, so good. I just got to say that every now and then. Um, the second thing is we talked a little bit about the independence, dependence dichotomy, but there's also the security insecurity dichotomy in play. And I just love how uh, Paul's entire way of thinking is represented um, here. And also what you're saying, that love is the evidence of our security. <laughs> and um, you know, when we talk about our insecurities, usually we have to get our minds off God and we're caring too much about what other people think, or we're burdened by the mission of, like you said, having to go, go, go all the time. Um, for me, you know, I was a youth pastor for almost a decade. And then when I stopped doing it for that year, it was not torture, but it was just really difficult because I felt like I was letting God down because I wasn't in that stream of go, go, go all the time. And God's like, one of the reasons, son, that I called you out of ministry for a time was so that you would learn how to rest in my sovereignty and how to, you know, I'm giving you this window to deal with the insecurities that just added up over time. And I just didn't do anything about them. And I had lost track as a minister. I had lost track of my love by God identity. So it's one of those things where just because you're in ministry doesn't mean you're, you know, not prone to falling victim or prey to some of this stuff, how deception creeps in and how the enemy wants to distract you. Insecurity is one of the avenues he does that. Um, but yeah, you have to almost look at the other way. The greatest blessing of being loved by God as our identity is that it established us in a state of complete security. And if we're personally secure, then we're also going to be a safe place for other people. It isn't that what we want to be, you know, whether we're in ministry mode or not. Um, it also frees us to be honest and free from comparing ourselves with others, which to me, comparing myself is pretty much the core of my insecurity. Um, as my wife would tell you. Um, so um, I just think there's just so much good stuff to be had in this and um, just developing that spiritual muscle of not comparing yourself is going to, even that alone by itself is going to do wonders. Good stuff. I see a chat's going. Anyone else? Have we gone to, I think we've gone around the horn almost. I feel like we haven't gotten some, I feel like some of the guys haven't gone, but it's okay. Not everyone has to share. I feel like the chat's exploding. I'm easily getting distracted right now. So, um, 
So I want to start gearing this conversation towards leadership. But before I do, anyone else want to just jump in and just talk about how they were convicted or maybe a new angle, fresh perspective that you got um, going through this? There's just so much in here. I don't want to rob you guys of opportunities to, again, share what's on your heart right now. Uh, I got some stuff. Um, something which just stuck out to me so much in this module was just the fact of how crucial it is for our identity that we're basing it off. I am loved by God and how that affects our relationships, how, when we're not firmly in the, I am loved by God identity, then we're not able to connect with other people in the same way that the, the, uh, Trinity where it's perfect communion, knowing I am loved and then I'm loving. And so when we are not firm in our identity of I am loved by God, we are not fully pouring out our love onto the people we're in relationships with, our friends, which just slowly just provides this diluted stream of not being complete, not being um, completely real. And so all of a sudden you're like, I'm starting to feel burnt out because I'm pouring out, but I'm not firm in my identity of the love of God. And then when you're even receiving from your friends and you're like, I'm receiving, bro, but something's wrong because you're saying a lot of stuff, but then you're also saying all this stuff and how much it just, it influences you so much the way you communicate, the way you relate to your friends, to your family members on how you're abiding in the love of Jesus. That's really good. Fantastic stuff. And, you know, I think about, you know, how will the world know that we are abiding in that love by God identity, our love for one another, one way that Jesus described it. So, and as you kind of alluded to there, um, there's a lot of ways to kind of get off that or where it doesn't become the sole priority. Um, but, you know, I'll share something that, um, you know, I was actually, I was going on for a run, um, uh, about a couple hours ago. Um, just because when I run, I, it's kind of, I could just hear God more clearly. And he was just saying how, um, and we'll start using this as a turn for, you know, talk about how it applies to leadership, but we talk about selfless leadership or you talk about how to be selfless while you're ministering to other people. It starts with knowing your love by God and matures by seeking love at the heart of service, worship at the heart of your work and the Trinity at the heart of behavior. And I was just like, thank you. <laughs> So glad I went on this run because it is very true. Um, so I, I wanted to share that with you because I felt like that was something that I, number one, I wasn't looking for a quote. I wasn't looking for a blurb, but I kind of felt like it just kind of dropped in my lap as I was just simply like, all right, I just want to spend time with my God today. Um, I'm not sure if that resonates with any of you, um, but I, I did want to put out, especially that last part, seeing the Trinity at the heart of behavior. 
and seeing if that resonates with any one of you and how that maybe impact um, how you love, not effort to love, but how you love moving forward. Do you mind sharing what he spoke to you again? Yes. So selfless leadership, but you can also plug in a lot for that. Um, it starts with knowing your love by God and matures by seeking love at the heart of service, worship at the heart of work, and the Trinity at the heart of behavior. And for me, I'm still processing this word, but I feel like a lot of times it goes back to the Holy Spirit concept and the Trinity being there from the very beginning. And I think in that word picture of the difference between even heaven and hell, how in heaven, um, the, the picture is we have these huge forks in our hands. Some of you may have heard this. I don't know if my dad has shared it with you before, um, but we are constantly uh, like we have a food, a plate of food in front of us. Our fork is too big to get to that food. The only way we're going to have sustenance is by relying on the goodness of others, how God's pouring into other people to put some on our plate. Our focus is to use the fork that we have and actually put food on someone other's plate. And I find that when, um, with just kind of using that as a word picture, that really helps center my concept of how the Trinity is, exists at the core of what I aim to be in my behavior. Um, you know, we want to, we talk about love at the center of all that we say and do. We want to communicate that and resonate that with people. Um, but I also find what helps me out is when I, especially when I talk about how do I serve with in the context of selfless love is to think with the cross in mind. And to do that, you have to think with the Holy spirit in mind. And, um, so we can, we could, continue on. I just felt like I needed to share that for someone out there tonight. Um, it's, there's just a, a lot of moving parts with this truth that we're digesting. Um, so I just wanted to challenge you guys to, if it helps in situations where you're having a hard time receiving your love by God identity and, and in turn, how to um, communicate that to other people. Think of the cross, go back to what at least this helps me out, go back to the beginning and what's been there from the beginning of time. Think about how they're loving each other and just be like, God, I want to be caught up in that glorious, that perfect carousel of self, of, of self, um, otherness. <laughs> so anyone else kind of have to, you know, want to dive in to that idea, or maybe you have some other things you want to say. Okay. Um, I want to share a que another question with you, if you don't mind, because um, it's one of my favorite sample questions from this course. Um, it has been said that many people have a sense of offense towards God buried deep within them. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God make me this way? How would you help someone who was angry with God or afraid of God? How would you help them see their situation through the lens of God's love.
does anyone want to have any raw musings they want to share? I know that's that's a tiered question. Um, but have you encountered in your dealings with people anyone who was struggling with either of those issues? I think um, at the root of all of that or like the solution, all of that really is conveying the deep love of like the deep love that God has. Um, even just going, you know, back to everything that we've been saying about the the beginning, the start, the Adam seeing God rightly, the or, or Adam seeing God first, or thinking like the Trinity uh, as a whole, that communion um, and explaining the deep love that God has for us individually. One of my favorite things that, that Steve said was that um, if God didn't want or desire us individually, then he wouldn't be omniscient of like a God that a God that knows all knows us individually. And so I think really the heart of it, think about my own life and in ways before I uh, accepted Jesus, before I found salvation, that that was me. I was deeply offended by things that had happened in my life. Um, and didn't want a relationship with God because of that, but it was understanding the love of God. It really breaks down any way that I would have offense. I think that's a hard, like you said, it's a tiered question because it's sometimes it seems so easy on the other side. It seems so easy now, like, well, yeah, you just, you just know that God loves you, but I think that's where it has to start. Um, cause it's really hard to be offended when same thing. It's really, it's really hard to have fear. It's really easy to trust. It's really hard to be offended when you deeply believe that God wants what's best for you. Um, but that's a, that's a very, uh, it's a deep question. That's a, <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. Um, to add to what you're saying, Sierra, I think also at the core of that, there's a lot of feelings of just being misunderstood. So it's like, God doesn't understand me. God doesn't know me. Like if God knew me, if God understood me, then blah, 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 whatever. So I think even just talking to people like that, it's so important to convey that like God is the creator and he intentionally created like every part of the person. So he understands every intrinsical detail. And that's something that stood out to me um, was just like this revelation of God is the creator and he made everything around us. Like he made every cell in our bodies. But I think even to get to a point of being able to receive the love of God, you first have to understand like his sovereignty and understand that he made you and then it's like well why did he make you because he wanted you well if he wants you like that means he cares for you that means he loves you so even going about it not from like oh he loves you and it's like well how does he love me like all I see is pain but being like oh like well he made everything like he made you and just going from like the creator perspective So that's good. so yeah. good i oh every time go ahead go ahead that's oh my gosh i love it um yeah i think i would just like even trying to convey what steve was conveying um uh, when he would say like if everyone knew how good god's love was they would want it so just being able to portray this image of god of like his richness the richness of his grace the richness of his mercy on humanity um but also just the, the deep desire of him like of a, even going back to what I said earlier, like his desire to give himself to us, like there's no other God like that. I think I would um, just try to even portray the the cross um, and, and the mercy that he had and the fact that like he 
he gave us his body he gave us his whole life he was separated um but from his father for the behalf of us like if that doesn't speak of love I don't I don't know what it does I love it. I love what's being said. It's like we're, we're capturing the, the meticulous side of God who values the intrinsic, but also he's extravagant in the extrinsic, if that's even a word. So um, you guys are capturing both sides of the coin. You're good, good stuff. And it also just helps me understand just how much, um, no matter what, no matter how much I fall off course, like I am valued, um, that I am cherished. And it, to me, it's almost like um, going back to how I perceive problems or when I'm helping people perceive their problems. Like there is, the, there's something current going on in the moment, but you have to almost see the end outcome. Like it is finished. <laughs> you are loved is not just something that, you are now that you could risk losing. It's not something that was just spoken a long time ago. And it's just valid today. Like God is constantly renewing his love for us. He's constantly refreshing his love for us. And um, one of my challenges for you guys is to, when it, the, the next issue that comes up, the next challenge that surfaces, it's like, okay, remember your love by God identity and choose to see the, what can change when you see that also as the end outcome of whatever happens it on the surface on paper it may still sting and it may not be the intended outcome you think but it's like it give will give you such a, a peace that surpasses all understanding type um you know mindset really and heart place to know that no matter what happens i am loved by god the other person that i'm dealing with also loved by God. We are ultimately on the same team and whatever the difference is in between, God is more than enough to help bridge that divide or bring it back around in good time. Or at the very end, it's just like, I have a hard foundation for transformation and to help other people, inspire other people. Um, Cause it, you guys know there's not a happy ending by the way we define it in every circumstance, but there's always a way for God to be glorified and just connecting again, how we see ourselves as loved to desire for God to be glorified and all that we say and do. Um, that's where we get into the radical. So um, another thing that I wanted to share, I forget who said it, but it just brought, brought it up. I mean, um, you know, cause to me, a popular question growing up when I was in youth ministry was why did God allow this to happen? If, if God is a God of love, why did he allow this to happen? And, um, you know, you had to, I had to break it down into simple terms, but um, my, I often went back to Romans 5, 1 through 5, which is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And the spark note version of that is just rejoicing in our suffering and I don't know what you guys are going through. I imagine that there's a mixture of thriving in the spirit as a love by God, son and daughter, and also a mix of suffering too. Like maybe there is financial hardship going on. Maybe there is like, how long does the season go? Um, I'm jumping in by faith as being a circuit rider. And I, you know, 
I'm being obedient to the call, but I don't know where this is going. So maybe there's a mixture of suffering and also thriving at the same time. Um, God is wanting to teach you guys both to rejoice. And if you, if you could learn to rejoice in the suffering, you're really set up to rejoice in pretty much anything. And we know that suffering produces perseverance. You know it, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. And you think about how easy it is, you know, God was even telling me this, like, you know, Cam, you are so easily disappointed. And I was like, I got goosebumps. I kid you not, I got goosebumps hearing that. It's like, I'm not offended by that because it's true. And I know that where I can go, you know, my flesh nature and where it can gravitate to, but it's like, okay, filter, like Instagram, I'm loved by God. So what's next? That's kind of now my default, like, okay, how do I get less, how am I less easily disappointed in people? Well, because you're, you have these expectations that are rooted in them, how they specifically respond to you in a certain way. And just give an example. And that's like, okay, so um, what's the way out? Cause I still, you know, Lord, I do not want to grieve you and just like, okay, well, how does that verse end? Because God poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. And so I'm like, all right. So clearly one of the reasons why I'm easily disappointed this moment is because my container is probably on empty and God fill this, fill this vessel, fill the container of this heart with your love. I receive it now and popcorn prayer style. Like I, I just encourage you to develop that habit of popcorn prayer Dad and I have discussed this, you know, in our own walks, probably maybe 30, 40 ish times a day, like just silent, just I, in the name of Jesus, be gone, spirit of fear, or something of that nature. It's just in the, in the, in the name of Jesus, I do not take that assault. I give this into your hands. I will not be bound. You know, you haven't given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. Things like that, where it's just like not even thinking about it. So anyway, um, there's a lot of different cheats and shortcuts. Well, I don't want to say cheats and shortcuts, but you know what I mean. There's a lot of different ways to discover God, to find him, and to, again, still yourself, knowing this about your identity. So um, I just wanted to make sure to capture and, and reference Romans 5 in this conversation, because if you can learn how to do this, in the lowest points of life, you're going to find just the next time you go back and things um, maybe settle down or, you know, God is just pouring out extravagant blessing on your life. It's like, you will learn to appreciate God and the way he pours. He specifically pours into your unique wiring um, and all these things. It's just because you're just going back. It's like, God, I can't do this without you filling my cup. And the intent is to ultimately overflow on others. What are you going to overflow? Just, just a thought. So, um, wow, 6.30. Um, you know you're having fun when it's, oh, it's been out already. Um, I don't want to cut this short. So 15 more minutes, if, if it's okay with you. I got three under five. And I'll just say this as a, as a young parent. <laughs> when you get to that point in life, you realize kind of the gaps in your faith. And uh, so 
you'll get an opportunity to learn all of this afresh and anew. And you're, you know, being mindful of what you're communicating and demonstrating to literally your next generation. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, anytime you see Steve, you can know that uh, he, he will light up when you talk about him being a grandfather. So, um, so leadership, how does this impact? You're all leaders here. In fact, you can make the case that everyone was created to be um, a leader, what burdens me and my life's calling really, just so you know, um, just discovered a couple of years ago, it's, I so desire to help people in business specifically, but, but really anyone, I want them to know their unique spiritual gift mix. It's like the sonic drink fountain. There's hundreds of thousands of combinations. There's what, maybe 25 to 30, maybe. There's somewhere between 20 and 25 and 30 spiritual gifts that Paul references the New Testament, depending on what translation. Um, I don't think there's so much a fixed number, but as far as your orientation of spiritual gifts, I desire to help young people and vocationals discover that unique spiritual gift mix. Um, what does it mean to be, to walk in your priest identity as an accountant, as you know, a doctor, as an educator, as a politician, or maybe prophetic, or rather, it's not just one or the other. It's like, okay, if you're, you know, sorry if I'm getting off track here, but if you're top three, if we were to profile and um, assess to where you're a prophetic teacher, pastor in that order, how does that, how does that look in the specific field that you're going into? That is my that is my heart cry. So I wanted to give you this context because we talk about leadership. It's, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. So um, because you all are leaders, but you have a very unique, there's a uniqueness to the leader. Leaders is just not like a broad term that we should take for granted or take lightly. Um, so there's going to be discovery, but how does all that being said, love by God, how does this transform and impact your views of leadership? And spiritual gifts test, um, it's, sorry, I guess I kind of um, spilled the beans on that one. That's something that dad and I have developed. Um, we could talk more about it. We've created assessment to help people uh, discover that. If We could talk about it later time, but just know that that's what I was specifically referencing. So, Yeah, I mean, uh, the foundation of being loved by God, it just like, every, it just takes out all performance like in, in leadership, if you're, if I'm performing as a leader, it's kind of what Chase was saying. Like um, if I'm performing as a leader, as I'm discipling people and I'm bringing people and I'm re like redeveloping myself into other people. And if I'm all performance, then now suddenly everybody that I've touched is, has that DNA a little bit in them. And so when I, my DNA is loved by God in the most foundational way then I'm recreating that in people that you go from you're loved by God. So when you fail, when you mess up, like there's no messing up in the kingdom of God, you just learn and you just understand that you're loved by God. And then it's like, you're period. And it's like so freeing now as a leader, especially as a young leader, because I mess up all the time. Like I fail like legitimately so many times every single day. And you're like, man, what am I doing with my life? And, and then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm loved by God. That's what I'm doing with my life. Okay, done. Easy. 
Man, that's so good, Krista. I think I just want to echo everything that she said of like when you're a leader and you operate from a place of you're loved by God because you really, you're just going to multiply who you are. And when you know your identity as loved by God, that's what you're going to multiply. Right. Then like, like you said, Krista, if you're uh, performing, you're going to like multiply more performers or more strivers, but rather when you're loved by God, you're just going to create more like love disciples. Yeah. I want to bounce off that as well. I think, um, in that identity, I think it's really cool because it infuses us with boldness and courage as leaders to go big or go home of like, oh my gosh, I can mess up and I, God could still show up. Like it, it's not just like, oh, it's me. And then God It's like, we're co-laborers. And it's such a fresh reminder that he loves us and he's for us and all of heaven goes with us and backs us um, as we go. So I think that's so cool. It's like such a fresh invitation for boldness, um, you know, just to go, go big or go home. I have to give you a shout out on that because every time I hear that phrase in the short term, I'm going to, <laughs> it just completely like, I've never heard the phrase go big or go home captured in that light before. So kudos. And I also like how you were just capturing the, you know, to be an ambassador, to be a co-laborer, um, not afraid of failure, but just kind of like, um, you know, as it, when it, to me, as a leader, um, as a love by God, marketplace, vocational, et cetera, um, I'm not afraid to fail because I know that not only am I loved by God, but God is constantly in the business of redeeming and restoring and creating a way back to him where we can, okay, I messed up, but the silver lining is there's a scenic route <laughs> to get back on track that wouldn't have been there if I hadn't messed up in the first place. So it doesn't justify, but it certainly can help as leaders uh, appreciate grace in the moment because now I got an opportunity to see a different angle of God, a different facet of God, and that can be helpful when I'm, again, pouring into someone who has failed. It's like, you know, I found this as a youth pastor, you know, it's like, I used to, I was so like the kind of person that I was my own whipping boy. It's like, I was so stupid back then. Bad cam, like, it's like, God's like, first of all, where are your accusers? <laughs> Why are you beating yourself up? Again, like, I've already forgiven you. But then it's like, you're in the you're in a ministry moment, and you're pouring into someone. It's just like, hot dog, I could resonate I can relate to what this person is going through. And I would not have possibly been able to do that if I hadn't failed before. So just God being able to use that, like, and just, you know, now you're more equipped with this fearlessness and this courage. So when you were talking about that, I was just like, yeah, come on, preach. Oh, okay. Sorry for anyone who has to sign off. I don't want to keep you. Um, maybe another five, I guess we can, keep it going. Um, and I also wanted to, if you guys have any general questions about future modules and, you know, communications and, um, again, I'm, I'm going to be occasionally leading and facilitating these conversations, but as a coordinator as well, I want to make sure that, um, if you had any logistical questions that you were, you know, I'm a safe place to talk to. <laughs>
Yes. Okay. Going forward, is this kind of the structure of these calls is from whatever module we've covered, we'll just be kind of bouncing off of one another? Yeah. Um, yeah. Zoom is going to be default. Um, now, as far as Ryan, as far as Steve, I mean, we each have our own unique flavors of facilitating, but um, we generally like the goal is for you guys to um, to read, learn, absorb, have time to process, and you know infiltrate this into your quiet time. And then um, again, going around the horn, we're going to give you opportunities to share. There's not a specific requirement um, as far as you have to speak three times in a given session. We're not keeping score tallies or anything. Um, I'm not sure yet if there's going to be like a written component to this, to the overall essentials experience where um, you just being able to contribute some short answers at the end of all six modules. But, um, but for now, yeah, we're going to, this is the first one. There'll be five more scattered that are, you know, there's two, three weeks in between. You sh should be um, receiving an alert one week prior to each call. So like, uh, I'll have to check with Vicky, but last week you should have gotten something that said, hey, we got a call coming up on the 29th and you'll know who's leading it. Um, Ryan Hall is probably one, a name you'll hear often. He's um, a colleague of mine. He's really great at this. So yeah, this is gonna be the default moving forward. Love that. I love this. Thank you. Um, thank you for leading this, by the way. This was so powerful and just all the revelation is just insane. My face got melted off. Um, I'm actually so, so interested true. in what you were saying about the spiritual gifts test. And like, I would love to take it if you guys are like doing that or is this part of the module that we're going to do later on? Is that out? It's, yeah, um, it's not right now, but that doesn't mean we can't send it to anyone who's interested. Um so there is uh, there's a marketplace version of this course that you're doing, and um, it's called Commission You in its in its infancy stage. Basically, I'm like trying to capture the richness of this theology, and again, just the the revelation we'll be discussing, and how do we um, how do we transition it, or how do we um, use terms that someone who maybe isn't saved or is on the fence, um, but is interested in this, how would, you know, would they be able to understand and, and get this? It, it's taken a lot of work, but the assessment is a way to kind of pierce through that a little bit because we find that people love to discover more about themselves, regardless of what you believe in, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's basically we take seven offices, just again, bonus information, but it's like, pastor, prophet, teacher, um, elder, deacon. There's two more I'm missing off the top of my head, but um, apostle. Ah, almost there. Anywho, um, we give you a composite score on each and we, um, using a weighted scale technique, we can give you a top three. And then um, it's not just a score we give you, but we, um, dad and I, but dad really drives us. Dad will, um, he will give you like 15, 20 minutes of just speaking into your life 
through that. So it's not just a score, but it's also like there's a commissioning even in that moment. Um, so it's really good. I, I highly recommend it not to give a plug to something, but it really is connected to what you're going through. So since you brought it up, I figured I would share that. So um, see you, Krista. Um, oh, seems like other people are interested in this too. Cool. Um, does anyone want to close us up in prayer here? I'm so down. Let's do it. God, we just say thank you so much for the opportunity to, to join over technology. Lord, we just say thank you for the gift to, to be able to um, connect with one another, Lord, and, and to come together and um, discuss your, your grandness, God, your goodness. We just say thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Father, for being so good to us. Yeah. God, we just even we just stand in, in reflection of what you've done. Um, yeah, what you've done for us on the cross again, God. Well, God, you didn't stay there. You you defeated the enemy. We just say thank you, Father, for carrying sin on your back, Lord. So we just bless your name. And we just say thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to learn and to come together and discuss and be sharpened by one another. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I know I just met you guys, but love you. Love you already. So we'll yes. love you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> love you guys. Great. Thank, thank you. you so much. Bet you on the fry. Yep. Good one. All right. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>